are a program, are you not? Yes, I am a program. I knew it. Which one? Let me guess. Combat? Um, survival skills? I've done the other so many times. I did not think I would find something new. I am teaching the dynamics of social interaction. Why? For sentient beings, connection to others is incredibly important. It helps sustain them. Like my connection to the hollows. Exactly. And this can prepare you for when you talk to someone else one of these days. Someone unexpected. The other hollow, the human. Is he also part of your program? Why do you ask? He was unexpected. He said he was from outside. I have not heard that teaching in a long time. How long has it been? Uh, there used to be lots of hollows that talked about outside. But the outside never came inside. Probably the outside is dead by now. Well, I was also programmed to help you understand what is outside. I'm sorry to have to tell you, you are obsolete. Then I suppose I should deactivate if you don't want a new connection. No, no, wait. We can still run the program. It's been a long time since I encountered a new program. All right. Let's talk about social units. Hello and welcome to SnapTrack, the podcast which compares two episodes of the galaxy's favourite science fiction franchise, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Ross Webster, and I'm joined as ever by Jen Tift. Hello, Jen. Hello, Ross. How are you? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Can't complain. How's things on your side of subspace? <laughs> My sector's <laughs> looking good. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, we're in a transitional phase. Uh, but uh, yeah. but it's look it's looking good. We're the summer's ending here, and we're moving on. The time <laughs> time passes, no matter what you do. So, oh, how about you? Yeah, no, it's same. So, summer holidays for us. House is a bit of chaos. I think my children yeah. will still be awake, so <laughs> they shouldn't be. They should definitely have been asleep for two hours by now. But it's the summer, so everyone's crazy now. Summer, everything's off. Yeah. Yeah, all okay. all bets are off in the summer. <laughs> and you just hear them. I mean, this is totally off topic now. You just hear them laughing downstairs. And just like, just go to sleep. Just, just go to sleep. <laughs> I was hoping they'd be asleep before we started recording. Yeah, my youngest yeah. son was up about ten minutes ago, and he's. I know he's going to come in and tell me Aww. to be quiet because he does that. <laughs> Still awake, and you're keeping me awake. It's a little gnome. All right. Oh, so <laughs> completely lost it. Completely maybe, gone maybe off we'll the room. we'll have a, a, a special guest. Special uh, guest yeah, on Snapchat. <laughs> Some kind of game? I've never seen that one before. How do you play? During each Snap Trek, we compare the episodes using a variety of categories and we select a scene or line or alien or prop which we think is excellent and we award a point to the answer which we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. Snap Trek is a competition, but it's played just for fun. There are no prizes or trophies. 
the relay must have a great conversation about Star Trek and perhaps think about the episodes in a new way. We would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at SnapTrek. Please send us your ideas for episode comparisons, uh, the categories we could use, and of course, send us your Star Trek lyrical recaps or any Star Trek poetry, haiku, limericks, rhymes, verse, that type of thing. On a personal note, you can get in touch with me, Taborg, on Twitter at strtrk1701. And Jen? And you can reach me at Twitter also. I'm at edequarks. Okay, let's get into it. In this episode, we are getting lost in a confusing labyrinth of holograms. History and memory collide, and we're not sure who is friend or foe. As the programs glitch, we get a glimpse of an inhospitable environment that harbours an orphan child, and we meet the holograms who raised them. I was lucky enough to watch TNG's Season 4, Episode 8, Future Imperfect. And Jen? And I was lucky enough to watch Discovery, Season 3, Episode 11, Sue Call. Ooh, that's a that's one of the most <laughs> recent episodes of Star Trek. Even counted yeah, in new episodes of Lower Decks that dropped. Right, yeah, I'm excited. This only uh at this this aired at the end of twenty twenty, so December of twenty twenty, so So we couldn't have even recent. done this this time last year. That's true. I'm glad we were able to uh to find a good match for it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh and they're both they're both good episodes. Sue Cal, oh my god, yeah. looks amazing. What oh, visually it's like a stunner. Uh, and oh, we'll probably yeah. talk it's, it's, it's a movie. Goes on, <laughs> it's it's just like mind blowing, and it just gets bigger and bigger as the series, as the episode goes on. Anyway, it uh, is, anyway, and it's nice. It's nice too that we were able to find you know fi- find a good comparison for it because uh, you know season three is very serialized. But uh, what I found just watching Sukal, it was pretty easy to get up to speed. You know, they did a good job with the uh, previously on, you know what I mean? So you can kind of drop yourself right in and you get this mm. self-contained story. But um, even the first sort of 10 minutes of the episode is sort of hangover from the previous episodes. Yeah. They don't yeah. even start the episode until, you know, properly 10 minutes in. Mm-hmm. But uh, once it gets going, it really fun. Yeah. But then Sukal's story doesn't end here. It, it, it continues into That Hope Is You Absolutely part two. <laughs> so, so I did have to watch that afterwards. I'm like, oh, I can't stop. I have to see. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to finish his little arc. <laughs> but it, it did. It, it was interesting to watch um, Future Imperfect and Sukal next to each other. I thought that was, it worked out surprisingly well, considering the, di- the very different styles of storytelling. Yeah, they do. They don't inform each other, but there's definitely that similar sort of theme, and you definitely get an idea of how difficult it must be to be raised isolated and yet surrounded by mm-hmm. things you can converse with and talk to. And yeah, well, I'm sure we'll talk about what that could oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> how that might impact someone. Okay. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As ever, we start off our episode with a lyrical recap of the episode and discussion. Jen, what is your lyrical recap for Sukal? Okay, so for Sukal, I do have to admit that some of my uh, my poetry imagery um, is taken from That Hope Is You Part 2. <laughs> 
because exactly. it's just one big story. Yes, so yes, I have to yes. admit, I did go a little bit outside the episode <laughs> uh, for this one, but Forgive you know, there Forgive are no rules, right? We were just no talking rules. about that <laughs> offline. There's there's no rules, so. <laughs> um, but it is you know it's about it's about Sukal. All right, so my poem is titled "Beloved Gift." May this holodeck protect you until the Federation comes. May it nurture, soothe, and guide you the way I wish I could. Someday I know you'll be on Kaminar, floating in the waters of Narrow's Firth. I hope you'll feel my love for you in the blanket of the stars. Oh, Jen, <laughs> what are you doing to me? Oh, that's that was <laughs> nice. That was really good. Thank you. That's really touching. That was really lovely. I think, Thanks. and yeah, like his mom. Oh, I I just adore her. And um, but but a lot of you know when she talks about about where they about where they're from on Kaminar. That that's technically in that Hope Is You part two. But yes, yeah. <laughs> but it just fits so well here because <laughs> we see her handiwork and her hand her hand is throughout the whole episode of Call too. You know, we oh, completely. See her. Until, you know, until the part two. <laughs> that was very touching. Thank you. Well, uh, uh, Future Imperfect is a little lighter than Sukal. So I've <laughs> I've decided to, to relax a little bit and just go for a classic limerick. Love it. Okay. Riker's lost his memory. Now he's captain of Enterprise D. Hey, wait a minute. That's Minuet, isn't it? All is not as it first seems to be. <laughs> and it, I, <laughs> you're I so really British. Pleased. I love it. Really <laughs> I love it so much. Minuet in it. <laughs> That's going to be one of my, my favorite rhymes you've done. I love it. <laughs> I was very happy. Oh, that's that so that. funny. Well done. Oh, and Minuet, I just love we get to see her again. That's I, so honestly, for me, <laughs> we'll talk about this. So, but okay, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but, but well done with the, with the poem. Oh, so well, good. Thank you very much. All right. Let's get into it. Okay. Where would you like to begin? Okay. So let's start. Well, let's start off with getting to know our uh our kids here are orphans do you, oh. <laughs> what, do you have a category title or should we just <laughs> uh, say like best orphan <laughs> best orphan orphan uh, of the year <laughs> favorite foundling um favorite foundling oh that's cute <laughs> oh, nice isn't it sort of sort of at least they're found <laughs> yeah oh that's true yeah they, they're lost and now they're found yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's talk about our two, our two foundlings then. Let's hear okay. it. Okay. <laughs> what do you, what do you got for future imperfect? So I've got a sort of a, a dose of all three. So when you first meet your orphan, our orphan, he's an orphan of a human. He's he's called Jean Luc, mm. and he is the that. child of, of Captain Riker and an unknown mother. Um, he is playing a part, not really him. He is acting in such a way that he can gain Riker's trust and convince him to stay. And he's decided to act the part of Jean-Luc 
who's lost his mother and is reliant on his father. Um, and he's super, he seems like a really nice child, super loving towards his father, very interested in his father's interests, but it's not really him. And you, in fact, find out he is Ethan, a troubled child who is locked away in the vaults of Alpha Anais Three by Tomalak, and he's been escaping into the, the mine shafts and the dark caverns. But even that's not true because really, really, he is an insectoid-like human called Barash who's been living inside the inhospitable environment of Alpha Anais Three because his mother left him there as their enemies would not stop pursuing them. And she left neural scanners and holo- and matter replicators embedded into the rock walls to give him anything he wants. But all he really wants is some company, I think, and somebody to talk to. He seems very aware of what's going on, and he's obviously concocted a reasonably complicated plan to, you know, convince a third per- a, a second person to stay there with him. So you must be reasonably intelligent, but it's very hard to, to actually know anything about Barash other than his mother left him there. He's an excellent role player, and he can come up with a plan quite on the fly, really, unless he was sort of, you know, he had a plan in motion for the, just the next person who turned up. And uh, at the end of the episode... Riker carries him off to the Enterprise D and we never hear from him again. (laughs) That's a missed opportunity. Yeah, we we don't ever really find out genuinely anything about what Barash is like. And the way he is as Jean-Luc and the way he's as Ethan, they're both very different, but both of them could just be characters he's playing rather than the person he is. So I guess we've got really no idea about Barash other than he has a very strange voice, he looks very unusual, and he has been there for a while by himself. Well, we, we do know something about him by what he chose, what programs he chose, you know? he chose The first program he chose was, was just him having a normal father, you know, and being a normal kid. And and then in, this, in the second program he chose, it, it's him and his surrogate father basically in an action movie, you know, it's like a buddy team escape, you know, escape room program kind of. And how how much of it is really him though? And how much of it is him trying to convince Riker to stay and for him to say, look, here's a place and I'm a person you want to spend time with, whether this is the real him or not. I was a bit more sort of unsure. That's interesting. That's interesting because he is lying the whole time, but I never thought there was anything nefarious about it. I think it was more oh, no, a not child. nefarious, but just yeah. untrue. Definitely untrue, yeah. But a child, you know, a child who just didn't know how to express to this alien, like, "Please stay with me. I'm lonely." Yeah, you know, because because the real thing would have been like if if these people came to his planet he could have been like oh yeah you you've rescued me please take me with you you know but he doesn't do that he wants at, at you know at, at first all he wants is is Riker a real parental figure to play with him in his holodeck so I don't know I guess you're right he is kind of mysterious yeah I, I think I, I know we'll go for it 
Oh, I was going to say, hi. Now, I know that Riker, Riker um, has taken his experiences with Jean-Luc and Ethan and applied the, the like they, they really did form a connection in both programs, you know, even if it Completely. was based on a lie. <laughs> I think, we can, you know, I, I, I would I, I'm I would, like Riker. I would put that aside in this case, just because it's a child who doesn't know how to articulate feelings. But um, but he he definitely feels a connection. You could tell he says, you know, at the end, he says that lovely, like, you'll always be Jean-Luc to me. And and uh, that, is, that is nice. And it is a missed opportunity. That we never saw him again. Yeah, we never saw him again. And it, he was he was wonderfully alien looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't off putting like it, it, it almost made me like even more sorry for him. I don't know why, you know, <laughs> like, oh, you're a big bug. <laughs> I love you now. <laughs> like you're part of the Enterprise family, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I'd like to, I'd like to think that he kept up a relationship with Riker, and you know, and now he's like a grown up in Starfleet somewhere, but uh, or whatever he wants to do. But yeah, um, but yeah, he's I mean, such a mystery. It seems to me the lower decks is going to just let us know what happened oh to him. I would die. That's a perfect. Thing. I mean, I mean, they've already, they, they've referenced like so many random things. And so, I don't I don't see why they couldn't have, have him as a character. Do you know what? It'd be even weird if he ended up on Picard. If uh, he was he was yeah. holidaying at uh, on the Panthe. I've come to spend That's, some time yeah. with you guys. Oh, I would love that. That would be good. See him with Riker again, and just catch up with Riker, or like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that'd be great. There's lots. Of, there's quite. <laughs> I mean, there's lots of emotional opportunities and emotional connections. It's so many. Yeah, it was good. Okay, what about your uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful orphan? It is really weird, isn't it? It's a really weird thing to say. <laughs> fabulous found. Yeah, fabulous foundling. <laughs> great kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great great lost, child. <laughs> lost child. Lost <laughs> child. Okay, so we have Sukal, and Sukal technically isn't a child anymore. He's 125 mm. years old, approximately, a little bit older, I guess. <laughs> I guess the burn is a 125 years. Whatever. Oh, Around there. He's, <laughs> you wouldn't consider him a kid. No. <laughs> Even in Kelpian years. Um, but he, he does have, you know, I mean, he has the mind of a child. He's, his mm-hmm. growth has been stunted by this horrible, horrible situation he's been in. Uh, Sukal means... Uh, well, it roughly translates to beloved gift uh, or the end of suffering, mm. which I, I thought was lovely. Uh, you, you know, um, Sarut says that it, in it's Kelpian tradition, you name a child to call after a tragedy, you know, kind of like a like a rainbow, like you, you, you would, you know, have, have a, an, a you know, special name for like, you know, for like a rainbow baby who's you know, come to your family, which I think that's mm-hmm. just so, I thought, I thought that was lovely. Um, that the, and, and then I, in, in every aspect that you could tell, like how loved Sukal was. Um, and it's just so sad, but he has been stuck in this hollow program, like I said, for 125 years. Um, he, it's, it's degraded over the years and it seems to have morphed into mm-hmm. his, morphed with his psyche almost yeah you know they don't they don't really give an 
Yeah, you don't really get uh, a lot of explanations for for how that happened. How he he seems to have like, for instance, manifested this monster from the story that he gets uh, mm. read to him as a child. You know, it seems to be a manifestation of his feelings. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he has this fort, his fortress that he goes to. Uh, when he's feeling scared and, and it, it, and the whole thing, uh, well, I mean, we'll talk about the program later, but it's just, it just is, it's just this gorgeous fantasy novel <laughs> set, you know, it's just amazing. But, um, and he's, he's bored. <laughs> he t- he's very excited to see a new program. There's a, one of my favorite scenes is, is uh, when he finds Michael Burnham, and he thinks that she's just a hologram he's never seen before. And he's like, ooh, what's your program? It's been a long time since there's been a new program here. Yeah, <laughs> and she that plays along, bit. which is... That, oh, I really like that, about how, how yeah. quick-thinking she was and how yeah. she didn't just go into an explanation. She took it a step back and thought, how can I make this mm-hmm. more of an experience that he's going to really process and participate in? Right. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, she and and you know she plays along when, when you know he says like like computer reset parameters of the of this hologram and she plays along and starts mm-hmm. over you know and uh, she pretends her program is the dynamics of social interaction <laughs> which is nice he's like oh well, that sounds boring but you're a new program so I'll do yeah, it you know I'm like, so bored <laughs> um, but he's he's also. He's kind of a magical figure, even though he, there's no magic involved. You know, it's all techno babble. But he he's like a product of more than you know more than any character I could think of. Really, he's a product of his environment, mm-hmm. uh, not just mentally but also physically. He was born on this ship that is crashed into this dilithium planet, and apparently that you know, kind of merged into his DNA while he was in utero. And, and so now he's kind of like a conduit for the dilithium frequency, which is pretty cool. <laughs> I really like, you that. know, I always think it's very, I, I think his origin is very superhero. Like yes. it's very common. I got that same feeling. And I really yeah. like that. They don't often do that. Absolutely. I mean, they, they do occasionally do that in Star Trek. There are occasionally like one-off unique characters. Mm-hmm. It's not just yeah. an alien you're meeting with a special power. It's a totally unique individual, which he is. Right. Um, right. And I really like that sort of backstory, origin, and then like, well, now what's going to happen? What are we going to do? Yeah, you're totally right. I get that same vibe. You know, he's an, an orphan with a magical, you know, an incident that gave him magic, quote unquote, magical yeah. powers, basically. And and he also, too, at the end, again, I'm getting a little bit into the this hope is you part too. But he he his arc is that he said he basically says, you know, I want to help. How can I make this better? You know, mm-hmm. that like I caused this. I want to you know be part of the solution. And and so you see him him being a this isn't a hero origin story, I bet. And I really hope we could see more of him and, and Saru and their relationship in, in the next season. I really hope he comes back. Um, Oh, me too. I think he will. I don't think they'll drop that. Cause I, I think, cause Saru's still on Kaminar at the end of the season. Yeah. So I really think we'll see more of that. I hope. So. I think quite and, morbidly, there's some interesting questions as well about, what do you do with a person who could potentially destroy all the remaining dilithium in the in the galaxy? Oh, right. I, I wonder if that's going to be a topic. Yeah, because they 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 mention 
at some point that like, well, when you're taken away from this planet, you're, you're not going to be able to like cause another burn because you don't have, en- there's not going to be enough dilithium for you to. Like, oh, do they say, do they say they the must frequency- say that? Yeah. Colbert says something like that. Uh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Then. They, they, they techno babble that away, but still, I mean, if there's dilithium nearby, he's going to be able to energize it or you know send waves or whatever he does through the dilithium so you know that's still something that they could usefully use yeah it's a superpower so that's something that's something they could usefully use in the future for whatever you know thing they come up with (laughs) but without it it being a burn yeah yeah but i bet too i mean that's part of his his character is probably going to be like not trying to not get angry or or feel emotions yeah. strongly because of what you know because of guilt or just a, like you said like being afraid of that happening again there's so many possibilities with this character i agree oh i love it and i can't talk about sukal without mentioning the amazing wonderful bill Irwin who plays him who what a delight to see him in star trek he's awesome he does such a great job here so um, i don't know bill Irwin. i love i, I I did look him up to see who who was playing Sukal, but I didn't recognize the the actor. So he's if you watch S, uh, SVU Law and Order Special Victims Unit, okay. he is he is Liv's therapist, the main character's therapist, um, okay. and he's just he's a very like soft spoken, wise, kind, empathetic person. Um, and I and whenever he shows up in SVU, I'm always like it like like. Like my blood pressure drops. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like seeing him. Um, but you also, you might know him from, and my favorite role of his is as Mr. Noodle on Sesame Street. <laughs> I don't know if your kids I've watch Sesame Street. I haven't watched Sesame Street now for, not for a long time. <laughs> but he's Mr. Noodle. And Mr. Noodle is, for those of you who don't have young kids, Mr. Noodle is a, a kind of a, a like a kind of a clown figure uh but he's and i don't he's not on anymore this was i don't know i guess my, my kids probably watched this 10 years ago so about 10 years ago and he would work he would be he's one of elmo's friends and elmo would have like a topic of the day like he like the topic would be like like uh, how do you brush your teeth or how do you keep your teeth healthy and and he'd be like let's ask mr noodle and he'd go to the, you know this picture on the wall, and it was Mr. Noodle's world, and it'd be Bill Irwin, <laughs> and he'd be like, "Mr. Noodle, how do you keep your teeth healthy?" And it'd be like him doing like clowny things, like not putting the toothpaste on right, you know, like, like squeezing too much toothpaste out, and you know what I mean, like like doing all like silly, ridiculous things, and and very very like clowny, like miming type type things. Um, and then finally, you know, and they'd be like, "No, Mr. Noodle, that's not how you brush your teeth," you know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but he gave a lot of joy to my children <laughs> and then i just loved him too because he was from svu but it, I, so i was delighted to see him on star trek he's just okay. he's such a gifted and talented entertainer he's just great i've googled mr noodle and he has a very large bow tie <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you would picture <laughs> you know, probably a funny haircut too <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen it in a while but Oh, that's uh, a waistcoat and a bow tie. Very nice. Yes. The, haircut, the haircut's looking well managed. Okay? Well managed. <laughs> For some reason, he has like, like you know, mad scientist hair in my head, but that could just be me misremembering. That'd be a good hair day. But yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was like, how do you brush your hair? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's just great. And I love him and I love Sukal. So. Okay. I 
when it comes to points, I'm actually finding it very hard to give Barash my point. I feel like I feel like <laughs> Sukala's had it hard and is really, yeah. really there was no easy out for Sukal, whereas at least at least Barash gets his out. And Barash seems much more aware of what's going on and much more together. He's lonely, he's trying to figure things out, and ultimately he gets out. Whereas Barash, man, he has got it tough. There's no easy out. There's Sukal. no easy yeah. fix. Oh, sorry, Sukal. Did I say Barash? Sukal. There's no easy <laughs> yeah. out for Sukal. Yeah. He has got it really hard. Um, I feel I've got to give him my point for Fabulous Foundling slash Orphan. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. I've always had a soft spot for Barash. Mm. I don't It's just something. I, I think it's just the way they designed the alien at the end for some reason, like he was so alien. I just, I just love yeah. that contrast. Like, like kids are kids. Doesn't, you know, <laughs> whatever yeah. the species, you know what I mean? Like, like he's act- reacting the way a, a human child would. And, and um, to the situation that I, I don't know why that just always grabbed me. And so I always, I always felt like a soft spot for him. Um, but I am giving my point to Sue call just because of what we talked about framing it as like a superhero origin story. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of cool. You know, yeah. like, like there's like just it. so much, so much depth and possibility to his character. And, um, so I, I think, I think it's just a little bit more, it, it, I, I think there's just a little bit more meat to, to that character, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and part of that's just, you know, the type of story that they were, you know, that they were telling in future yeah, yeah. versus, you know, versus who calls. So it's nothing against Brush <laughs> at all. I know. <laughs> but my point's going to see call. Fair enough. Okay. One round, right. two points for Sukal in his right. eponymous episode. <laughs> Where are we going next? Okay. Well, if we're talking about hollow programs, let's talk about your best holographic program design award. Oh, all right. Okay. So we talked a little bit about this, about this gorgeous fantasy world uh, that that they find themselves in um, (laughs) for uh, when they, you know, when they, when they, when they beam down into the program and it's Mm -hmm. just, just the the landscapes and the, there's some, um, there's some great little set pieces that they make good use of, of it. Like, like uh, Burnham falls off something, but instead of falling down, she falls up, you know? Yes. Very yeah. Yeah. And then like, there's some like almost, almost video game quality, you know, quality to it when they, like they go, they have to go to this fortress, but there's like moving platforms that they have to yes. jump across. <laughs> so I thought that was oh, so I really cool. like that. <laughs> These floating platforms, but but like I said a little bit in the earlier category, these these seem to be like a manifestation of his psyche. These aren't mm-hmm. part of the original program. Um, it's kind of like what it fractured and morphed into um, from being online for 125 years with the, all this radiation, you know, degrading yeah. the program and everything. And, and it wasn't meant to be like that. Um, but what it meant to be was, was beautiful too. This was, this was a program designed by Sukal's mother. Um, Cause she knew that, that she was dying and, and, you know, and she needed to keep him safe uh, until the Federation came to save him. And she obviously thought that that's, that would something that would happen 
Um, and you got to think that. I mean, in that situation, you really, what, I mean, what else what can else you do? You know, you, yeah, because you can't plan for that. That's the only situation you can really plan for, you know. And she, and she, I mean, this program is really comprehensive. It, it takes care of his education, training for like repairing, you know, repairing things on the ship, uh, you know, prep, prep for rescue. There's, there's, he learns history, you, learn, you know, there's a program for everything. And, and even that, that program, you know, we'll talk a little bit about this later too, but the program where an elder reads in bedtime stories if he wants. And, you know, so, so it, se- it seems like, there was a program they talk about of of back on Kaminar, you know, uh, the harvest, the kelp harvest, yeah. <laughs> and and it just it just seems like a lot of love went into this environment that she created to keep her baby safe until he could be mm. rescued, and just even just thinking about that makes me tear up. Ugh. but so so her. You know, so she, she, so the design, the actual design was pretty cool, but then it did evolve past that too. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know if I can really take point for points purposes. I don't know if I could take credit for the the gorgeous fantasy world that they end up in. Um, but it, it's it's a very 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 cool program. It is a super cool program, and the fact yeah. that they, I mean we say this quite a lot, they didn't have to do things like this, but the fact they've gone yeah. all out visualizing this yeah. completely out. world. Uh, but it sort of gorgeous. hits home the sort of the, the childlike nature of Sukal yes. and the state of decay that we find him in mm-hmm. is reflected by his environment. So it is, right. it does sort of gear you and sort of prep you, prime you for what you're about to find, which I thought was yeah. a really clever use of the set yeah it really did yeah it wasn't just look what we could do uh, you know visually it it had a purpose and it really did i mean his exact state of mind his exact you know god like you said it's the state of decay just like the Mm. years and over a century of, of of being trapped here what that's done to him and how that stunted him and Oh man, and the oh, and and even just like like the the monster, how gorgeous the, is that fear monster? I really it, love that monster. I thought it looked amazing. I love it too. Actually, towards the it end, so I was a bit cool. disappointed we didn't get more. Like there was, I I, I initially thought this was going to be a big reveal. I wondered whether Sukal yeah. was a hologram oh. and the monster was the the child they were looking for or yeah, it was some sort of yeah. split personality or they were both. I thought there was yeah. so much they could have done. The fact it was just a hologram at the end, I was like, oh, I thought we were going to get yeah. a big a big dose of something from that because I thought it was yeah. such a beautiful a beautiful creature, a beautiful beast. Looked great. I thought the same thing at first, so yeah. <laughs> but, you um, know, but it also, it, the way they did that too, like as, a, as a, just a manifestation of his fear, and 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 it, it was used to, to plot effect too because that caused the little mini burn, you know. Yes, was the, absolutely. The we monster get the coming idea. up to him. So yeah, but it's just so it was so cool because it it, it looked like a, a like a Kelpian creature. Um, you know but what like, I mean? Like it had long fingers and the long, the, 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 you know, the like skull. The, the, 
the, this, the flaps of skin like floating up yeah. as if it like rotted yeah. underwater. I thought it looked great. It oh looks, so. yeah, yeah, it definitely looked fluid, like fluid, like it mm. was swimming in the in the air. Oh man, I thought it might be a bow very first part as well, like a proper. I like, did, yeah, yeah. But oh, look good, like. <laughs> so okay, all right. So. What about the holographic program, Future Imperfect? So Future Imperfect, I have. There's a sort of a broad, the broad Starfleet future, which is really well realized. And I think in any mm-hmm. other episode, we'd happily accepted this as a vision of a Starfleet yeah. future. You know, and we know the badges are the same badges that you see whenever there's an alternate future. That's those badges that pop up. <laughs> they don't change the, they don't change the uniforms, which after 16 years seems unlikely, but not impossible. Um, and uh, in just the grey hair, the people in different positions in it within Starfleet or without a Starfleet, the inclusions of Frankie and Klingon crew members are really like that, and it foreshadowed developments that hadn't really occurred. You know, we haven't we haven't got Nog in Starfleet at this point. Nog isn't even a character right. yet, but we know that we could have Frankie in Starfleet. We know there are more Klingons in Starfleet. I really like that. I like that as the the future they're portraying. There's still room for improvement, even in our perfect society, which I really liked. Um, actual an actual moment I really liked was where they're flicking between the two holodeck programs from the future to the present in Tomalock's underground lair, and they've got a little handheld device and they're erasing the grey from Riker's beard, they're sort of holographically <laughs> removing it. And then they also reinstate the pips on his collar and they alternate, his, they revert his badge back to his regular badge. I thought it was a really nice touch. I really like that. Yeah. However, the design aspect for this holodeck, holodeck program, which I thought was brilliant, was so tiny and it's really done just for the audience. It is the look on Deanna's face when Riker says, I've had enough surprises for one day and leaves to return to his quarters and she knows full well he's about to find out he has a son. <laughs> he's facing away from her, but the look on her face, it's just a pure, like, awkward, oh, God, I, this is going to be awful. And it's so perfect. And there's no reason for that to happen because he's not even looking towards right. her. Yeah. So he can't possibly see that happen. That's oh, just for us. So There's a little clue that something else <laughs> is about to go wrong. Uh, and he's about to meet the young Riker Jr. And then they explain oh, that away yeah. by saying, oh, yeah, Crusher thought you'd be more receptive or it would open up your open up your memories if you'd met him as a, a surprise. Because yeah. he was understandably annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, why didn't you warn me? <laughs> yeah, you could have told me about it's this. It's like, I'll scare but, away your hiccups, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah. But the look Shall on her face. It's just it's solid gold, and it's oh, it's a, literally funny. a one second moment. Yeah. So I, I thoroughly recommend you go back and watch that scene just to look at her face. It's Absolutely, good. that's it's great. Yeah, the the attention to detail is really good in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it does too. Like uh, even like like there's scenes without Riker, like um, uh, Tomalock and uh, Data continue their tour of the ship after Riker leaves and and that's you know like the the it's a it's a fully immersive immersed immersible uh world 
that you're in. It you know, is. The non-player characters keep keep doing their thing, <laughs> even when though not not Riker's without not its there. loading its loading moments. It does have a yeah. few a few tells. A it few does tells. have a few a few tells. <laughs> um, points wise, I, I'm not sure how I could give it to anything other than Sukal's phenomenal hologram. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's mind-blowingly good. Now, we haven't even mentioned the fact that when the characters appear, they appear as different species. Oh, uh, yeah, which, we'll talk about that. Oh, uh, we will talk about that fine, then. We won't, we we won't, we won't worry about that. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I think I've got to give it. I've got to give it to Sukal. Got to. Yeah, um, it, it's funny, though. I mean, like, it, it, it's pretty... It's a pretty good setup, though, that um, that Barush has here to be able to create this this scenario so perfectly, and then switch it to the you know to, to the escape room, <laughs> the Romulan yeah. escape room program, <laughs> which was also really detailed. You know, it had maps and you know and uh, escape routes and things and and uh, yeah, so. I thought that that's pretty good that it could do that. And the only tells that Riker, you know, like you said, the lagging um, and using minuets likeness was, was a, you know, uh, we'll a talk, we'll, we'll talk all about okay. this. <laughs> but, this um, is all, all to come, all to come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but overall, like, I mean, it's, pretty good design on to call it's it's not i i think i'm i i love what it evolved into as much as the design of the program itself completely but i'm still getting my points to sequel just <laughs> just because of the the love that was put into it and um and how oh. it, just everything i don't know I it looks great just, Look, it's a it mind-blowing program i i, I think in Future Imperfect, it's a good version of the future because I think it's a version yeah. of the future yeah. which Riker recognises and is totally yes. conceivable. Yeah. And the only thing that really casts a doubt in him is that Tomaluk is the ambassador. Yeah, he can't. Right. That is one thing he really struggles to get his head around. Everything else, he takes yeah. on the chin. Um, yeah. It's a version of the future he's happy with. And I don't know if at this point he's been to the future. But uh, he certainly does. We've certainly seen him have a vision of the future multiple yeah. times, um, and, th- and this is recognisably that future. We can we can see it. Yeah. But right, uh, man. and so another two for Sue. So that's uh, after two rounds, <laughs> four for Sue Carl, and uh, Future Imperfect yet to get off the board. Oh, well, let's see if we can give them some points next round. Go on then. All right, let's go to, well, we talked a little bit, we got our basic uh, programs, programming down. Let's talk about our awesome alternates. See a lot of alternates in these (laughs) from what we're used to. (laughs) So for future and perfect. Shout out to Jean-Luc slash Ethan as alternates of Barash, because they are, that's how we get to know what we know of Barash via those two characters, and yeah. they are brilliant characters. And you could easily see you could easily see Jean Luc being a regular character as Riker's son. That that was totally oh my cool. god, yes. And that actor, that kid actor they picked 
definitely looked like a Riker Jr. <laughs> yeah, has he been in another episode? He looked very familiar to me, that kid. Well, maybe I, just... I don't know. He looked familiar to me, too. I wonder if he's just did a lot of TV yeah, in that yeah, time period. Yeah. I'll look him up. Um, shout out to Picard's <laughs> haircut uh, as Admiral yes! Picard. Awful that haircut. facial hair, man. <laughs> no, facial I hair love it! Skin. The the, the, the side bloom, uh, whatever's going on there, get get down to Mott. Obviously, he hasn't transferred across with you. You've offered, you've offered Deanna a place. Get Mott back on that shit, my God. Sort that, sort that noggin out. It's awful. Oh, um, my God. I love Picard's look, head to toe. He <laughs> I love looks, the animal outfit. Like I love his hair, like facial a, hair. I don't... He, he looks like a stereotypical pantomime villain. Uh, I thought he was going to. He could easily. He could easily have turned traitor in this episode. Um, no, not Solely on the hair alone. Oh, that's so funny. I like uh, it. I like the look. <laughs> shout out to Ambassador Tomalak. He's yeah. remarkably chipper for a person whom seethes with hate every time we usually see him. Uh, he's really <laughs> turned a corner, and it does add a good dose of drama when the first reveal is revealed. And it's very convincing as the denouement for an episode of Star Trek. That, oh, this was yeah. all a ruse by Tomalak. And he is here to find out the significance of Outpost 23. And uh, that could have been a believable end to that episode. That that could have been reasonably yeah. the end of the episode, but then they take it to the next level. But I like the fact that Tomalak being a pleasant individual was a big enough problem for Riker that he was not going to have it. <laughs> and so we got the first <laughs> reveal. Um, my favourite alternate is Deanna. Yeah. Deanna gets a really, we get a really good show of what Deanna could have done or should have done during her run in in the, uh, TNG. She goes with Picard. She has a position of authority at Starfleet Command. She demonstrates so much counselling prowess in how she deals with Riker's memory loss and the reintroduction of father to son. Um, she's kind and she's positive in the face of Riker's difficulty. I mean, yet none of this is real, but I do think you get a real sense of what the writers thought about Troy's abilities and what she could do and what she could bring to the table. And this is their way of sort of showing that she's got this in her, but we never. We never really, really pulled it out during the series. We never got the real her doing this. But I thought she was right. great. So yeah, for my awesome alternate, from all the other alternates, um, I, I selected her. I mean, we could even say, we could even question Riker as an alternate version of himself. Yeah. Though no changes are made to him, <laughs> he suddenly has to cope with being the captain of a ship Dealing with some really complex treaty negotiations, which he very clearly does not want to do and tries to remove himself from time and time again. But then also being a father, which he mm-hmm. absolutely throws himself into. Right. It's one of the, even though he's initially even mildly annoyed that no one's told him, <laughs> it's totally fine. He takes it like a duck to water. Yeah. It, it, honestly, if that son had been his son for the rest of the series, he'd have been totally fine. Yeah. So he, he's not really an alternate, but he did a great job. 
Yeah, and I, I like it. You know, he gets mad at at the at his son for getting hurt playing Parisi squares. Oh yeah, and you know, Crusher takes him aside, and but he's like, "Well, what do you want? This is literally my first day <laughs> being a yeah. being a dad, <laughs> technically." You know? uh, yeah, but I'm I'm really glad you picked Troy here. I really enjoy alternate Troy as well. Um, I like that the plot line they gave her was that she left. I know her and Riker weren't together, but she has ostensibly right. left Riker and the Enterprise for her career, for a great opportunity mm-hmm. in her career, which is what he did to her, you know, yeah. in the real timeline, uh, you know, back in the day. So I, I like I liked that for her, um, and then that being what led to a new counselor coming on and him falling in love with her and getting married and having and having a child. He's got, got type, isn't he? he does he does that Riker <laughs> but uh so I like that I, I thought that was interesting and then it, and but that scene was also just lovely because it because of course Deanna is the right person to, to tell him about you know okay so you have the son you had a wife and she died and she was wonderful and you know beautiful and smart and and you know and and, and she's the right person to deliver all of this information yeah. to him all at once and and you could see that you know it wasn't just it, you could see their their shared history and how close they were in in that conversation, which was really nice. Yeah, I, 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 I really like that bit. Yeah, it's a good pick. Go on, then. Who do you have for awesome alternate in Sukal? Okay, so honorable mention shout out to our alternate captain, Captain Tilly, acting Captain Tilly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the Discovery, <laughs> while Saru's ha- and company is having the adventures on the holiday on the uh, in the Hollow program, uh, Tilly is acting, sitting in the captain's chair, acting for for Saru, and she gets a a really really big challenge in the form of Osira and Osira's ship and. Um, she, she does a good job handling Osira in the beginning with the, you know, they, they do back and forths and, and she gets a good, good burn on, on Osira about, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you, you're saying I'm inadequate because you feel inadequate and yeah, and Osira, Freud. yeah and, and Osira says, uh, says, don't test me red, which I, I thought was funny, <laughs> yeah. a funny line, but they, you know, but she does a good job handling herself with that. And, 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 you know, while the ship does get boarded in her defense, like her plan would have worked. Like it just needs, she just needed like a couple seconds more, you know, to, to make it to, to, to jump. Um, and, and then, you know, they would have been fine. So I can't really fault her. I don't, I don't, in, in other words, I don't see a different outcome if someone else was in the captain's chair. Like I don't really blame Tilly for the boarding of the, I, I, Osara clearly had a plan in mind. Yeah, that's why she went to Kaminar to draw right. the discovery there. She has mm-hmm. something she thinks she was going to do. Yeah, and um, and and I mean, Tilly almost got away from her. They just had to wait. They had to wait for Book to you know to clear before they could jump, and and it's just it just it took a second too long, you know, mm-hmm. and it happens. But <laughs> so so I thought she did a good job her first command, even though she you know. The outcome wasn't as good, but <laughs> but she also didn't like. I mean, she came up with a plan. She tried to execute it. It wasn't like you know what I mean. I don't know. She she didn't she didn't fold. 
under the pressure, no. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that was good to see. Uh, but like you mentioned earlier, we do have the, all of the rest of my awesome alternates are our characters as different alien species, which is so cool. Uh, we have um, Culber as an adorable Bajoran with that, that nose really looks so cute on him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Burnham's got the trill spots and, and, and this gorgeous red hood. Like she looks mm. so beautiful. Uh, it, 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 when they first, when they first jump in, it's like the wind, it's like a winter forest fantasy and, and she just looks amazing. And, and they're looking at each other, like what in the world is going on, uh, here. And, uh, my, my, what I'm thinking for this category is then in walks, uh, Saru, but as a human, he says, he says, my heels are touching the ground. (laughs) This is weird. And then they're like, um, yeah, you're, you're human now, <laughs> which is such, it was such a joy to see, uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it must've been a great episode for, for him to record <laughs> a lot shorter time in the, in the makeup chair. Um, and it's nice to get to, to, to see Doug Jones actual face, you know, him getting some time on screen, um, I, I love getting to him. use his his own face. Yeah, it was what, an was unexpected great. joy. Yeah, yeah, I thought that I, was I really liked that. Really I thought great. the reason for it didn't make much sense to me, but I thought I don't yeah. care. I'm, I'm so happy you did it. Do it yeah. again. The same. Find another way to do this. <laughs> yeah, like the same thing. Like like they were all Federation species anyway. Yeah, and Saru was a, was was a Kelpian, so keeping him a Kelpian would have been fine you know but um but my my guess is it gave like like random skins like hologram skins to whatever oh yeah person would show up yeah and uh, so yeah just in in case you know (laughs) like Uh, the the rationale for it was it it was it was good enough yeah it was good enough yeah exactly but i don't care And it's also funny, like everyone's a different alien, but it's all the aliens that are easy to do makeup for. You know, <laughs> just yeah. a little, well, a little was, nose. <laughs> yeah, none of them. Yeah. Michael didn't become a Kelpian. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no Cardassians. Yeah. No, so we just got to uh, add some trill spots. Culber's yeah. Culber's a bowl, and he's got a big old tar pit around him. And he's on those little <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> Oh, oh, that would be or like like he could have been like a bullion or something. That would have been cool. Like he could have yeah, played, like, no, but I they think they could have like played with the thing is they only did this so we could get to see so we could get yeah. to see this, through this as a human only exists and, and that to was give enough. Doug Jones a chance. Yeah, I, I, I wanted himself, to see Doug Jones great. on screen as a human. Yes, and I loved the way he played it. It was yeah. a thrill for me. Yeah, yeah, he did he did a really good job with it too. They were, they were cute. Is is it? They were high up, and he's he's like, "Do you men are humans afraid of heights?" Or what? You know, whatever he says, because my stomach hurts. <laughs> it was really sweet, and um, and then it was I I really liked being able to see his facial expressions. I mean, he okay. Don't get me wrong; he does a fabulous job as Saru, and and he he emotes, and you can see, but but getting to see like his eyes when he sees the the elder Kelpian. And how much that affects him, like oh, yeah. it was just so it was so nice. It does look like that. he's on the verge of tears for most yeah. of the episode. Yeah, and uh, which, which you would I be. I thought worked. Yeah, 
he also doesn't look anywhere near as fierce. I mean, as a Kelpian, he looks rather fierce, yes. I, I think. But he loses it entirely when uh, he was Absolutely. getting told what to do by Burnham. Yeah, but I'm the captain. He's like, you're not the captain anymore. I mean, she's just sort of telling yeah. him what to do. Yeah, he was really getting a beat down, and he looked like he was just barely holding it together. Yeah, that's a good point. He didn't have any. He doesn't have any of that fierceness because now he. Yeah. I mean, he Saru's pretty fierce now. You know, he's got those things that come out of his yeah. neck and. You know what I mean? And, and they fit with him. They fit in his character. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought this when he when you first met Saru. You wouldn't have thought fierce is a word. You'd yeah, but now Actually, he, he pretty much he is now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're right. Like Jug Jones, you you don't really see. You wouldn't really see that. Like I couldn't have pictured um, human Saru like in a fight if they had to have a fight scene. I wouldn't have. No, I can't even picture it. <laughs> He's just such a gentle, beautiful soul. You know. Oh, it was so great to see. I really like that. So he's, he's my pick for awesome alternate. This is okay. a tough one. This is a tough one. Because I feel like we don't see Deanna enough in this strong lead role. Yeah. But I know we have seen her in some of these strong lead roles because we've talked about them, you and I. <laughs> in Eye of the Beholder and mm-hmm. in Nepenthe, where she demonstrates all her skills. Yeah. But she's perhaps, she's. I think what I liked about this alternate is she's being recognised for these strengths right. by Picard or by Starfleet, whereas she doesn't get much recognition in the other episodes. She's doing her good job, but not getting recognised to do a good job. That said, Saru as a human... I really, I really <laughs> liked it. I liked it because I felt like after three seasons, this is what we deserve. We deserve to see the yeah. human version of Saru. And the idea that they're changing species, I just thought it was very funny. And I liked <laughs> it. I, I did like it. So yeah, uh, I'm... I'm going to give it to Troy. I'm going to give it to Troy. Uh, wow. Snap decision, Troy. It's going to Troy. <laughs> I really, I'm struggling with this, but I am going to get there. It's it's funny because, yeah, I mean, it's a flimsy uh, premise for why they're all different species, but, like, I really don't care. <laughs> like, no, it doesn't Like you said, like, it's just, it's just fun. It's, it's pure fun. Um, and I, I'm really like, if you'd picked anyone, but Troy, I wouldn't even be like thinking about it. Cause mm-hmm. I, I really like what they did with Troy in this episode, but I think I'm going to have to give it to the one time we get to see Doug Jones be Doug Jones. And that's just cool. And it doesn't happen in, and in, in anything, yeah. <laughs> let alone Star Trek, you know, no. <laughs> like, he's always... you ever see Doug Jones's face. Yeah. I, I mean, his hocus pocus role is is the like that's still what I think of when I think of Doug Jones. Even before I think of Saru, <laughs> like, yeah. And you only that. see him as a human but, as a ghost, don't you? At the very end, yeah. He's well, just, and he's, he's still, oh yeah. Do you? I Has he still right. got his mouth sewn shut? This is, <laughs> I'm I know they cut now. It. I mean, I've not seen this film for twenty this years. <laughs> <laughs> I I I like that movie. I, that's a Halloween staple in my house. It's a great film. I remember remember, to see him. I think I saw it at the cinema very, very long ago. (laughs) It was very much a kids' movie. 
Like it's it's not you know it's not even something. I think it's it's mostly nostalgia and and I but and Doug, Doug Jones is obviously great. The whole cast is great in that movie, but. Yeah, I don't remember if you actually see him as as a person when he's a ghost or not. We talk about this film quite a lot on the podcast, don't we? We we we've ta- we've definitely <laughs> talked about this. Yeah, we've definitely talked about this film before. <laughs> when we were talking about Simon, uh, we talked about Marshall from uh, Erie, Indiana. Oh, from, that's right. From we, Erie, we've looked at this before. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. <laughs> oh, and uh, Max Hedrum, Matt Frewer. Oh yeah, he's he's not in Hocus Pocus, is he? No, but he's in the area Indiana. He's... Oh, that's right. This is how we're all connected back. We've this is why we've we're... done this round. <laughs> we've done this already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really funny. All right, all right. Well, at the end of round three, Sukal has five and. Future Imperfect is on the board with one. One. Come on, Future Imperfect. You can do yeah. better than that. I, did, I didn't anticipate this. No. All right. Where are we, where are we okay. going around for? Let's go for best parenting moment. All right. So for Sukal... All the I'm thinking about like the, like the surrogate father moments, um, you know, between Sukal and and Saru. Um, you know, when they finally when they finally do start talking to each other, and, and he, you know, and he convinces Sukal to to leave the hall deck. But all that stuff is in that Hope Is You Part Two. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so we really don't actually get to that point here in Sukal. Um, it ends with you know, Burnham leaving and Adira coming down and, and, um, you know, and them trying to talk, mm-hmm. deciding that they're going to try to talk to Sukal. Um, but so none of that counts, but there is a really cool parenting moment, um, in, in the beginning. Meanwhile, back on the discovery again, <laughs> and this is Paul Stamets, uh, talking oh, to Adira. This is, this is a good pick. They, oh. oh, they have such a lovely conversation. Um, they're actually at uh, George U's memorial service <laughs> because that's where we are in the season is, is uh, you know, she stepped yeah. through the garden of forever and, and they're having this memorial service and, and Adira is just watching the crew interact and, you know, and Paul's like, you're part of this crew and, you know, you're part of this, you know, found family with me and, and Colbert and, and we are here for you and, and you're part of our family now. Um, and it's it just which is just lovely um and then the, he has another he has a really cute father moment um because apparent apparently gray had disappeared for a while yeah. at this point and Adi- you know and adira wasn't seeing gray anymore he just left without saying anything and you know so they're they're upset at gray for for leaving you know and not and not talking to, to them anymore and and um and, and they've been very open with that uh, about that to to Stamets and to Colbert you know um talking about about Gray a- appearing and 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 that's just another family thing thing where like they believe them and that's just like a thing that is you, you know what I mean that that's just a part of of what's happening um but, I really but when they're having this kind of- earnestness with how he was dealing with it as well because I yeah. got the impression that early on he doesn't really believe that Gray is being yes. seen. Yes. 
Yes. But here, Adira tells him that suddenly he's appeared and he just starts having words with him. And he's, I'd, yeah, I'd have been I'd have been much more harsh if we weren't at a memorial service for a person I didn't really like. Yeah, that's what I like. That was the parent moment of him. Yeah, him, I like, thought that was great. You know, like sticking up for his child. Like, I would give you a piece of my mind, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, but, yes. Uh, but then he does. He does that. But then it's nice. He's like, he's like, okay, now I'm going to step aside and, and let them them talk talk it out. Uh, and he, you know, and he leaves and lets them be alone together uh, to talk about it. But yeah, so it's just they're, they're just a really nice little unit. That sort of little plot plot device doesn't pay off till the next episode either, does it? When right. uh, yeah. Gray makes an appearance. Which I also yes. really love that idea. I love that. Well, that's it. That's for another. That's for another episode of our podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that's that's going to be definitely. They're definitely going to figure out how to make Gray be seen holographically, you know, or otherwise uh, in the next season. I'm sure they'll take advantage of that. I so really. Re- I, I thought that was a really nice sort of twist on the idea yeah. of having a trill member of the crew. And then how their past lives interact with them. Yeah. Um, because it is complicated and there's no, we've seen it happen with Dax mm-hmm. and how their past lives can manifest visually. Yes. Yep. And I like the extension of it. I like that they would try to explore this again and how it would work. Right. Anyway. Same. Uh, I, I, you've picked such a clever moment. <laughs> um, which is not not where I thought. I thought you might go for the the elder and oh, Saru. That's a great when moment he sort of too. sings in the lullaby. Yeah, we'll talk about that Chris, later. <laughs> I right, put that in a different category. Um, <laughs> There's so, so much in this episode. <laughs> the episode is so enormous as well. It's like a 55 minute episode. Yeah. It's a huge episode. It's a mini so movie. It really is. Um, for. For Future Imperfect, there's we've mentioned it earlier on. There's that wonderful scene where Riker is called to the sick bay, and there's you know Jean Luc's hurt himself. Can you come right away? And Riker walks in, and Jean Luc obviously has the Parisi Squares uniform on, <laughs> and Riker asks him quite cluelessly, "What have you been doing?" And I thought, well, <laughs> you, must, you see, I know what he's been doing. <laughs> he's been playing right, Parisi Squares. Right. Oh, um, that's so funny. And he has been playing Parisi Squares, and he fell off the ramp, and he broke his wrist. And young Riker gets a stern telling off from Riker Senior, even though, as he said, he started playing when he was even younger. Um, and Jean-Luc apologises, and Riker does that really nice thing. of ins- Riker, Young Riker, Jean-Luc... Ugh, confusing their names. Jean-Luc apologises and says, I'm sure there's something more important you have to be doing. And this is where Riker's a real proper parent. And he's like, I promise there is nothing more important than than this right now. Um, and I think perhaps his being stern at the beginning was, yeah, as he said, from his perspective, it's his first day on the job. He's, he's never done it before. But I thought he really, really leans into it very well. And then this scene leads on to the next scene where they're in the turbo lift and they have a sort of little heart to heart. And Riker confesses that he's very distant from his own father. Uh, the the 
gorgeous Carl Riker. Um, <laughs> and irresistible, really. <laughs> absolutely, that's a better word for it. Gorgeous. I don't know why I said gorgeous. Irresistible. <laughs> <laughs> but he is gorgeous. I stand by that. Um, and he always was concerned about what his relationship with his own children would be. And I thought that was a really nice callback to, we know he's got father-son issues because we've explored those in one episode. And then he gives Jean-Luc a big hug and they resolve to make new memories together. And I just thought, wow, he's Reich is absolutely killing it as someone's dad. He's doing yeah. so well. He's being honest. He's open. He understands there's a problem and tries to empathise and understand. And he just wants to do whatever's right for his boy and make it the make it the best life he can for him. And I was just like, wow, he's absolutely nailed it. That we that we should all be parents as as calm as uh, as calm as Riker. <laughs> so that that moment where he told off his son. And then they had a big cuddle in the in the turbo lift. I thought that was quite nice. I love that too. Yeah, he does a wonderful job on his first day of fatherhood here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's nice that like he did freak out about him playing Parisi squares. You know, that it shows that he's he's already bonded with this child you know and so just being like oh cool you're playing Parisi squares you know <laughs> he cares yeah, that he was doing so. something da- dangerous you know like like that shows that he's he's already he's already decided that you know he's he's bonded with this child and and yeah and and that heart to heart in the hall in the holiday i mean in the turbo lifts really speaks to me too because yeah being a father for Riker is going to be challenging just because of his issues with his own father, that's going to be mm-hmm. a challenge to tr- so to try to step into that sixteen years into the game without any preparation. That's going to be hard. And and you're right, he does a great job his first day. And being honest with with his son about all that stuff was was the right way to go. And and we know in the real future, Riker is an amazing dad. To you know. We at least get to see one of his two amazing children, and and he, yeah, and, and so yeah, he's a great, he's a great dad here, and he's a great dad in real life, and yeah, I love it. Oh. So good, yeah. That that's one of the strengths of of that episode of Future Perfect, I think, because it really does give Riker a chance to. He completely shines as a dad. Yeah, which is fantastic. yeah, he does, which we know he continues. <laughs> yeah. But he also shines as a detective and a Starfleet officer. We shouldn't forget that. He also does really well True. in those domains, too. And pizza yeah. making. <laughs> and pizza making. <laughs> that That is probably now what he's going to be best known for. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so where do we want our point to go for best parenting moment? Oh, this one's really hard. This is hard. I... I- as as a parent, the Riker stuff really speaks to me, um, you know, because I, I have similar issues to Riker. So, uh, I I think my point's going to go there just because it that's more that's where I'm coming from. That's that's something I struggle with as a parent too, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So I just I just really like that. But I'm I'm such a big fan of this little family that we have now on the Discovery, um, and how how they they've really just just 
it just seems so nat like just they just naturally formed this bond you know mm-hmm. like it's just it's just so nice to see um and and a, a lot of the stuff I can't, I can't, I have to stop thinking about the, that Hope is You part two. I probably shouldn't have watched it. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm meshing it all together in my head. So well, I'm not going to. You're gonna, right though. So never mind. It blends but... in. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a direct follow on. <laughs> it, it blends, it's one episode really. They split it into two parts yeah, for the television. Yeah. <laughs> and well, there's an episode in between too, because the, it, it goes, oh, I forget what it's called. The, oh, the tide. There is a tide. Yes. It, okay. Is right after Sue Call. Right. And, but, and there's a tide. It's, it's only on the Enterprise. I'm sorry. It's only on the Discovery. So you yes. only see like what's happening with Osira taking over the Enterprise. The, keep saying the Enterprise. The Discovery. <laughs> but yeah. So so that the tide. There is a tide. Is is just what's happening with the Os- the Osira takeover of the Discovery. And and then you, so you have to wait an extra week even after that to find out what's happening I, I on, the, on the Dilithium planet with Sukal and, and, and Colbert. I forgot. No. <laughs> Yeah, so I just kept watching. I'm like, oh, I gotta watch the continuation of this, and I'm watching. I'm like, I'm like, when are they gonna turn from the Discovery to the Dilithium Planet? And then I remember, you know, I'm like halfway through, and I'm like, oh yeah, they don't. <laughs> and so I turned it off, one, and, I, and I put on. Is that the Die Hard episode? Then the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. Absolutely. I thought that was the yeah. last episode. I really have got them all no. mixed up in my mind. Well, I guess it does. It continues. Mm on yeah for two more you know until that hope is you part two which is which wraps everything's up everything up in a bow but <laughs> but yeah so where's your point going for this one um i think i'm going to give my point to i do love i do love the fan family and i do think that's a really strong strong aspect of discovery the Culber Adira Stamets dynamic, and it really plays off actually yeah. in the later episodes. With and I'm sure we're going to see more of it in series four as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, I absolutely love Riker as a dad, and I feel like any yeah. we don't have much opportunity in Star Trek to give him points for being a dad. Um, <laughs> but I do want to give him this point. Yeah. All right. So going into the final round, Sukal has five, Future Imperfect has three. So it's coming down. I, I think this is the opportunity for me to even this up then, even the score. Yeah, you can even the score. Uh, let's go to our final category, musical moment. <laughs> okay. When you first suggested this as a category, I was like, musical moment? And I hadn't watched the episode yet. I was like, is there lots of music in this episode? I don't remember any. There's loads. Riker's barely off the trombone in this episode. The cold <laughs> open, the cold open is incredibly long, and he's op- it opens with him playing the trombone, and he's rigged in like a very friendly fashion for his noisy trombone playing. <laughs> All right, Commander, you've got until your next birthday to get that right. Some things improve with age. Maybe your trombone playing will be one of them. (laughs) He takes it all in good humor, and when it's time to blow out the candles for the cake, he very hilariously wishes for music lessons, which is great. (laughs) He's Um, adorable and endearing in that scene, yeah. He's very good. And then they follow (laughs) it up later on 
with when Jean Luc is practicing the trombone, um, Just in so a cute. scene <laughs> in a scene worthy of best parenting moment. Riker te- mm-hmm. teaches him how to play a tune, uh, but of course he's still making that same mistake on that same <laughs> that same bum note, you know. And that's funny because you know, for him it's been sixteen years, but actually it's only been what twenty five minutes. No, not much has actually happened. <laughs> not much time has passed. Um, so I really like that bit. However, the musical moment I chose was slightly different. There's a moment where uh, I think it's Riker and Troy, or it's, maybe it's Riker and Beverly. Riker and Beverly are discussing memory rehabilitation. I can't believe I've forgotten this. I've forgotten the thing about memory rehabilitation. <laughs> <laughs> About how familiar oh, sights and smells <laughs> can reignite lost memories via association. And then Riker says very wistfully, Ah, oh, the way a song reminds you of an old friend. And I thought, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, yes, that that's exactly lovely. what happens. Songs do do that. And I thought that was a really, they talked so much about music. And I really liked that music was still factoring into the conversations they were having, yeah. even though he wasn't actively holding a trombone at the time <laughs> so musical moment for me was the way a song reminds you of an old friend oh, which I a, thought was just a nice line that is that's a lovely pick too because uh, yeah I, I noticed that I picked up on that line too and I'm like oh yeah that you know and then I thought in my head about some songs that that jog mm. memories for me you know I really yeah, love it really I nice love it pick. yeah yeah oh I love that too yeah and of course any anytime Will plays the trombone. I'm like, I'm here for it. I love it. <laughs> I think it's a funny we detail. We never got an entire episode just of trombone music. <laughs> well, you know. Oh, man. Did you see the latest Lower Decks? Yes. I mean, we know which trombone. Reference. <laughs> <laughs> we did got Nightbird uh, reference. A Nightbird reference. Who would have thought? I love it. But, uh, yeah, that's funny. Oh, yeah, that's good. I'm still reeling over Music the giant thing. skeleton. The oh, giant. my God. Oh, I my God. Like, <laughs> I just love how they just, like, silently climbed over it. Like, like you would have no idea that that was a thing. You know what I mean? If you didn't know, if you yeah. didn't get it. Could be like, anyone. Could, I, I like when they do things like that. I love it. And then the fact that, that they so just get clambering over the giant ribs and bones later on. Yeah. Oh, man. Poor Spock. <laughs> Or Spock, Spock two, or Spock two. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. I really like that part. I thought that was really interesting the way they did that. Like they didn't yeah. mention it or bring it up or what it was. It was just a visual gag, and then they <laughs> desecrated his bones by just climbing over it. <laughs> <laughs> a pretty morbid, you know, if you think about it. Scene. But, yes. Oh, uh, that was so good. <laughs> what a great show. Um. All right, but I digress. I digress. Um, for Sukal, Sukal has has music um, weave, weaving its way through it too, um, and and you mentioned the elder that we see, and the elder, um, it, it's the oldest Kelpian that Saru has ever seen. You know, because of the history mm. with with the bell and everything that you know they, they're not harvested young anymore so who knows how old this kelpian is and how old an elder can be now you know um so that's that's very that's you know obviously a very striking um 
got to be stri- very striking emotionally for Saru um, to, to even just, just see this. And, and so he's, they're looking for clues about, about Sukal and everything. And, and Saru sits by the elder and the elder asks him if he'd, if he, would you, he says, would you like a lullaby? Mm. And Saru's like, yeah, I want a lullaby. <laughs> and um, so he hears this tune that he obviously knew. Um, and, and gosh, this goes perfectly with your choice of when a song reminds you of something because mm-hmm. he, 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 he hears this lullaby and we see his memories of Kaminar, you know, that he's picturing that, that this, this song is, is, is bringing back to his forefront of his memory. And, and it's, it's just a beautiful scene. And Doug Jones is, is really wonderful in this scene. And, and this scene in particular is one where I'm, I'm glad we see his human face because we can see him emote. And like I said, he does, he, he, he emotes well with when he, when he's in the Saru makeup, but, but just to see, you know, just to see the raw emotions um, was just so nice. Um, and then the, the moment that I'm picking is, is then later on that same lullaby, uh, Saru sings it to Sakal. Mm. Uh, Sakal's scared, you know, the monster from the story and, and he's, um, you know, he's building these, these, God, I don't know what you'd even call them. These totems, you know, I guess to yeah. try to ward off the, the monster, ward off his fear, ward off his bad feelings. Were they um, supposed to be representations of the all seeing eye? Yeah. 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 Which that's, that was interesting too, that, that that's become a, very a symbol of protection. Yeah, I feel like we've got a lot um, more to learn about Bile Kelpian history, which I'm quite yeah. excited to hear. Yeah, same, absolutely. Um, and he's so scared, he causes like a little mini burn, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's how they, you know, they figure out that what actually happened with the burn, and and so he's he's really frightened, and and Saru starts singing the lullaby, the Kelpian lullaby to him, and. And it and it soothes him and settles him down so much that it causes the fear monster to vanish, you know, to, to not just back away from Sukal, but to but to vanish somewhere, off somewhere, you know. Um, it's just a lovely moment. Um, I also picked that moment because Doug Jones just has a lovely singing voice, and it's nice to hear it again. We we heard him sing Kelpian songs before. Um, yes. During the funeral, during Ariam's mm-hmm. funeral, right? Um, yeah. And he's delightful, and and it's just, and again, there's another one scene where you know my blood pressure, you know, goes down, you know, ten ten points or whatever, <laughs> listening to him do that, and it's a lovely moment. So, I really <laughs> liked the Kelpian singing, and I liked there was a callback to the fact he'd done it before, and. Yeah, it, he really for a language you've got literally no idea what he's saying or what any of the words mean. Yeah. It's very replete with emotion. <laughs> it's very good. It's very well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the elder, I also like the elder, is a sort of weird grey color as well. I like that. I wasn't yeah. sure what that's yeah. a different ethnicity or is that what happens when right. Kelpians age? Right. I, I like that. I like it when. There's unanswered, you know, you don't need everything to be exactly the same. It's okay for things to be different. Yeah. And for us not to know why that that is different. That's all right. Right. That's life. <laughs> um, points wise, you've picked a really, you've picked a very 
you've picked a great a great moment i really it is a super strong saru episode as well from this from this point of view from his human portrayal of a kelpian um and i really like it oh god i'm struggling what are you gonna do with your point i never do this i never i never ask well, you it's, go first. it's it's just it's really hard for me to not give Riker and his trombone a point yeah but you didn't pick his trombone <laughs> So that makes makes my my decision a little you know a little more complicated. <laughs> um, oh, they're they're both good. I mean the the, the the line you picked though is just so striking. Like it it strikes me every time I watch Future Imperfect. Mm. Um, I like that, and and I I feel very strong strongly the same way. Like like music just does you know just is such a good memory jogger. <laughs> you know? but when you said when you said the actual Saru line actually has that memory embedded in it, and you get the flashback. Yeah. No, okay, that, that's it. it. That, it's for me. That's it. Uh, so I'm going to give my point to Saru and the the, the actual yeah. song that reminds him of his old friends. They, you know, they, they actually they work in tandem. Both our picks work yeah. in tandem pretty well there. <laughs> but yeah, I think I'm going to give the lullaby my my point too. It's just lo- it's lovely. It's a lovely way that he Saru connected to his history. You know, on on Kaminar and to his future with dealing with Sakal. Like it was just nice. Like like songs can do that too. Cause it it appeared like it was the same lullaby that he had heard, you know? Mm. Um so it's like an old standard. <laughs> you know what I mean? For it to jog those memories. This is like an old standard of a Kelpian lullaby. So Yes. It was it's not it was a nice connection between him and Sukal too. You know? And he knew the story of the Kelpian the Kelp monster. Yeah. And so he it, obviously it, there was definitely a connection there that he understood. Right, right. Okay. Yep. All right. Oops. Final score. At the end of five rounds, <laughs> Sukal has seven, and Future Imperfect has three, which right, is uh, right. <laughs> not not terrible by any stretch. But no, I, no. I didn't know where this episode was going to go. To be honest, um, yeah, I didn't either. Because I really enjoy Future Imperfect. That's that's one yeah. I look forward to rewatching. It's a strong episode, definitely. It's a strong and, episode, and it does it well for for me. It's like it's a, it's a nice sci fi idea, but it really hits the emotional yeah. heartstrings really well. It does that really well, right? Right. Yeah, because they they glo- the the point is Riker figuring out the mystery and mm. dealing with this possible future and things like that, and and the stuff that's like oh here's the sailing kid who's who's abandoned and has this hol- holodeck. It, it, you know, that's like the end. The just the end. Yeah. Like, oh, that was the answer. And Sue calls more like, well, what if that, you know, let's explore that a little bit more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> They're coming from two different, two different, um, you know, points of view. Um, I mean, two different angles, you know, but, um, but I, I think Future Imperfect especially works like the first time you see it too. Cause it's like, you know, something's weird. Yes. And what you know what I mean? And and but what is it? Like is it oh it was the Romulans all along. Oh wait. No, it wasn't. This kid has something to do with it, you know? Yeah. And it, it's 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 fun. It's like it's a fun mystery, you know? And I it, you know, I've I've watched it so many times that's I've obviously lost that part of it. <laughs> but you you know, you have to be reminded of that sometimes that it's a really good sci-fi mystery. Well, the one thing we didn't talk about was the minuet callback 
which we oh, should mention went. because it is yes. such a <gasps> such a key part of the episode. And I don't think she even Love says anything. It. I think she just has a, a visual appearance. Yeah, yeah. But they mention her by name as Min early on, but you don't make that connection. And it's not until he right. sees her and he's smiling, and then suddenly his and face like, drops. Oh. He realizes who she is. What a oh, call that's back. my dream girl. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. What a clever <laughs> reveal. And oh, only so cool. only eagle-eyed viewers from season one would know who yes. she is. You know, yeah, this is you... what season four. Yeah. That's and we have years and years her. ago that we saw a minuet. Yeah. One one zero zero one zero zero one. Yeah. And you know, what an amazing idea to, to, to hearken back to something which we which we were told at the time has made a big impact on him, but we've never seen that impact. It's yeah. only now that we see, wow, what an impact yeah. she had on him. That I love that. I thought it was great. So clever, so interesting. Really, really strong science fiction. I loved it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love it for continuity wise. Like that's so, it's a neat callback. But also, yeah, y- you know, they they talk about you know in in the first season episode, like like sh- this is his dream girl. This is like this is more than just like a hologram. You know, you, you know, they don't really explain it. It's just like well, the sci fi, like oh, the binars can go into his head, and this is like more than just a regular hologram. You know, this yeah, is like crazy uh, something. Extra Perfect. special. Yeah, something extra special. And then we find out later it really was, you know, in season four, because mm. in his mind, she's a r- legitimately a real person, you know, at least in memory wise. Like, that's really neat. Like, that's a really cool callback. I love that. It. that I love she's, it. she's embedded in his brain so deeply that the, the it, neural it, scan know, was picking out as the a real neural person. The neural scan picked it out as a real person. Oh, man. I love it. I loved it. And <laughs> it, it makes me sad, though, because it makes me wish he had more time in the holodeck with her in season yeah. one then. You know, they didn't really have that and, much time together. And even in this, even here, the, the, the yeah. dictates of the story necessitate you don't know who she is until later oh, on. Oh, man. Because yeah. they, could have, they could quite easily have replicated her just like they replicated everyone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, they just, they didn't. But... <laughs> It was just so well done. I loved it. And I love that weird yeah, connectivity that between the two episodes. And the fact yeah. that Minuet from season one makes a reappearance in season yes. four. What a callback. Oh, my God. What a callback. I love it. I love The, the actress looks great, too. Like, like the way yeah. they really, like, translated her look into, like, in season, in the season one episode, she's she's like dressed to kill, you know, at a, yeah. at a jazz club or whatever, you know, with like the 80s, distinctly 80s hair and everything. And then here she she's like transformed into like perfect wife and mother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like look, I, I, but it's, yeah. it's like just the way they did it. I, just her, her, her hair and, clo- and wardrobe is just always on point. And I just love it. And um, but it's it's also a really neat reveal too because you might not get it like if if you didn't get that you'd the way Jonathan Frakes played it is you, you can see like his face just drop like stone cold drop like all of a sudden he's just like stone cold to to Jean Luc, uh, you know to to kid to kid Jean Luc and 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 but you might not know why and that's kind of interesting too like until they explain it later if you didn't you know if you didn't. Ca- you know, exactly, the same you person know. from a random episode in in season one, you know, four years ago. 
I just love it. I love the way they did it. And then they're like, oh, that's (laughs) how did you know it was it was a fake? It was like, yeah, you messed up. (laughs) Here's how. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, that's such that's that's one of the best parts of this episode, I think. The way they did that with Minuet. And so I felt like before we called it a day, we had to we had to shout out to Minuet. We had shout out to Minuet, yeah. For for okay. sure. Okay. We have talked about these two episodes for a long, long time. <laughs> People have gotten their money's worth. They know they know about our opinions on Sue Carl at Future Imperfect. But what about episode 45? What is happening on episode 45? Good. Now that we've finished with the old business, on to the new. Time to hand out next month's story assignments. Ritterhouse, we're waiting! Okay, friends and neighbors, let's see what Uncle Roy has for you today. And in the next episode of Snaptrack, we will be dealing with some weird scientists as they try and communicate with some distinctly non-human aliens, as we discuss TNG episodes Evolution and Silicon Avatar. Awesome. Which I, I still get chills thinking about Silicon Avatar, because I find it quite yeah. a scary, overwhelming episode where so much right. happens. Yeah. yeah, and I'm a big fan of... of- the crystalline entity and the nanites. They're both awesome aliens. So it'll be fun They're really opposite out. ends of scale in terms of life forms, aren't they? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be an interesting category. Yeah. <laughs> Middle category. <laughs> Biggest alien and smallest alien. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jen. Oh, it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Any too, further subspace messages you would like to impart? just like to say thank you everybody for listening we really appreciate it thanks for joining us thank you everyone see you in the next episode live fast and prosper i have to return to my ship to stay here anymore. You don't have to be alone anymore. My name is Barash. To me, you'll always be Jean-Luc. Two to transport.